Hey guys, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so happy you're here. We believe that this message is for you and it's going to speak to you. Enjoy. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. This was written by a man named Paul. It says this in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, for at just the right time, come on somebody, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have every opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I'm going to share the title of our message this morning, but I just want to tell you how I came to this title. This week I found out that a song I listened to, uh, it's actually a remix of an original song, a 1999 version of the song. And as I was listening to it this week, what I found out was that the original is actually better than the remix. And so I was doing some research into this band and what I found out was that this song was actually the only song that this band ever did that made any kind of impact. And uh, in fact, two years after this song released, the band disbanded and so now this band is categorized as uh, as this specific thing and this is the title of our message this morning this band is a one hit wonder our title this morning is one hit wonders i've always <clears throat> been fascinated by things that sort of last and then the things that fade into obscurity it's like we're gonna go back like a whole four weeks i know this is a long time in 2019 uh, terms but does anyone remember the face app it's, it's like it was huge four weeks ago. I know it's it's tough to look back then, but uh, in 2019 terms, that's like a lifetime ago. But the Face app, what it was, what it was all about, it was this app where like for a time, every single person had it. I had it. And if you took a picture of yourself, uh, it would make you or your face look older than you actually were. Or it could like add a beard. And in fact, it could make you younger. It was funny. I remember like there was like 60 year olds using this app and they were seeing what they would look like when they're older. And I was sort of like, maybe you should go back the other way instead. But it was the face app. And it was just this thing that was huge. Like for a couple of days, like I'm, I'm sure some of you remember it. Uh, for a couple of days, everyone was posting things on the Face app. And it's so funny because I have this one guy that I follow on social media and he posted a picture and I think he summed up the whole movement perfectly. He said, I'm going to post this picture before 8 p.m. tonight when this whole movement peaks and then dies. <clears throat> and it's funny, he was right. And, and when, I, when I heard that, when I read that, I knew he was going to be right because that app had nothing long lasting about it. And lo and behold, here we are like a month later and no one speaks about the Face app. In fact, I'm sure if you have it on your phones, you haven't opened it. uh, And by now you've probably deleted it. It's just something that grew and then it slowly faded into obscurity. It was a one hit wonder. It's a one hit wonder. You see, where I want to go this morning as we kind of finish up this this series, as we head into the fall, I want to speak on the subject of longevity. How, how do we last in this race called life? You see, I think that we live in a culture in a society where everyone is headed towards the quick fix. It's like, I heard one guy say it like this. Uh, I'm sure you guys know this. We live in the uproar culture. It's like where everyone is so mad. Everyone is so offended about everything. But he says, the reason there's no actual long lasting change in our society is because people are offended. People are mad. But then three days later, no one remembers or cares about anything. 
It's like, I know you guys really care about the Amazon rainforest this week, but by next week, no one cares. And so therefore, nothing actually changes. You see, we live in this culture of, of quick hits and there's never anything really long lasting. But what I believe is that what God desires in our life is long lasting. It's long lasting peace. It's long lasting joy. It's eternal victory. Come on, somebody. On the cross, God demonstrated this. You see, on the cross, Jesus won the battle against sin and death once and for all. He, he defeated sin forever because God is in the business of longevity. And so this morning, as, as we uh, go through this message, I really want us to begin to ask the question and answer the question, how can we build a life that lasts? How can we live a life so we are not one-hit wonders? I don't want anyone listening to this message to ever have the story like I, I was almost something. Or I used to be something. I used to be a Christian. I used to follow after God. I, I used to. I used to. And, and I would become one-hit wonders. This morning, I want us to begin to ask, how can we begin to live a life of longevity? And I think this morning is going to help us practically and spiritually. And so as we begin, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. This was written uh, to a church by a man named Paul. If you've been with us, uh, you'll realize we talk about Paul a lot. And that's because Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. And uh, Paul writes to this church in the book of Galatians. And what we're going through today is kind of like his final address to the people. It's like that final bang. He wants to finish strong. He wants to leave the people with something. He's been speaking about living in the spirit. And so as he leaves them, he says this. Galatians 6, verse 7. He says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I, I love this part, and I love this part of the text because there's so much to unpack. He says, A man reaps what he sows. In other words, it's an age-old saying, What you put in, you're going to get out. And so we're talking about how do I live a life of longevity? How can I experience God's will for my life? Here's the first point. I want you to write this down. If you take notes, come on. And this, this, this is our first, our first point. It's this. You will always get what you give. You get what you give. In case someone was wondering what's the name of that song, the one hit wonder, uh, this song was called You Get What You Give. And that's, that's kind of the first point. How do we live a life of longevity? The answer is super simple. We have to remember first and foremost, you will always get what you put in. You see, this literally goes for everything in our lives, spiritually, financially, relationally, whatever you put in, you're going to get out. Come on, somebody. the first thing I always do when I'm, when I'm talking to people, because it's easy, like, pastor, my life isn't where I want it to be right now. The first thing I'm going to ask you is, well, what are you putting in? Because what you put in is what you're going to get out. The, the, the amounts of time you spend at the gym is what your body is going to look like. Come on, somebody. You see... A lot of us, like we're wondering, why is my life not where I want it to be right now? The question God is asking us is, well, what are you putting in? Because you're always going to get what you give. This is why so many of us, we can be good in one area, but we fail somewhere else. It's like I can kill it at work, but I'm struggling at home. I'm struggling to be a good husband. I'm struggling to be a good wife. Or, or maybe it's like this. It's like, man, I'm killing it at the gym. Like if you could only see what's under this shirt. But spiritually, it's like, man, I'm not doing so well. You see, that's because we're able to put something into one area, but we can't put anything anywhere else because you're always going to get what you give. And the thing that I love about this text, the beginning says, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Why do I love this part? Because what he's saying, he's like, you cannot fool God. 
You see, for so many of us, I think the reason that we never actually get to the places we want to go is because we have a difficult time being honest with ourselves. It's like, I hear this all the time. It's like, I'm trying everything, but my relationships aren't getting better. My spiritual life isn't getting better. But the question is like, really? Like, what are you really putting in? Because I think as a people, we have a tendency not to be honest with ourselves. And that's why I love what Paul says. He says, he says God can't be mocked. He says, don't be deceived. You're always going to get what you give. And, and so what that means, it's like, you can fool your friends. You can fool your family. You can fool yourself. But here's the reality. You're always going to get what you give. You're always going to put in. Whatever you put in is what you're going to bring out. It's, it's like this. I remember... When I was younger, there was a group of friends, and we used to love to go golfing. I still love to go golfing. So if you want to treat a pastor, that's how you do it. Come on, somebody. But we had this group of friends, and I remember uh, specifically this one friend, no matter what, without fail, uh, every single time we were playing, he would hit his ball like into the forest. He'd hit it into the water, but he was notorious for never losing the ball. And the quotation marks, never losing the ball. You see, he had this tendency, like, he would hit the ball three miles into the forest. He'd walk over there. He'd be like, oh, my gosh, I found it. Must have bounced off a tree. And, like, he'd throw a ball, like, into the middle of the fairway. He, he just had this tendency to never lose balls. But the thing was, and we knew this as his friends, he was cheating. He was lying. Like, he would always have a ball in his pocket ready to go. And it is so funny because the thing about golf, unless you're, like, on the PGA Tour, which we're not, we were 13, it's an individual sport, and so your score really only matters to yourself. And, and the essence of what he was doing by cheating is he was only lying to himself. He was only fooling himself. As DJ Khaled would say, congrats, you just played yourself. <laughs> but, but listen, a lot of us in our lives, it's like we have a difficult time being honest with ourselves. And this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to begin to take stock because for so many of us, We'll end up in a place in life and we won't know why we're there. And the easiest thing to do is make excuses. Like, why is my relationship a mess? Why is my spiritual life a mess? But God's like, hey, you're always going to get what you give. You're always going to get what you give. And so Paul goes on to say this in verse 8. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now here's a huge thing I need us to understand. Because this idea you get what you give. For a lot of us, it's like, Pastor, I actually, I put in a lot, in a lot of areas. You see, I don't think that the majority of us are just lazy. I don't think that most of us don't put anything in anywhere. I think our problem is, for a lot of us, is like we're investing in the wrong things. We're putting our time, we're putting our energy, we're putting our focus, we're putting our heart in things that don't really matter. And so this is what Paul says. Paul says, and you guys are like, I don't know what this means. Flesh, spirit, like where am I? I'll break it down super simple. Paul says this, there are two ways to live. You can live by the flesh. What does flesh mean? Another word for that in like English language so you guys understand is self. Paul's like, you can live for yourself and that looks like I'm in charge. Y'all been there? It's like, I'm in charge, I'm gonna do me, I'm in the season of me. Whatever happens, I'm gonna do it. Paul's like, you can live like that. He's like, or you can live by the Spirit. And the Spirit just means to live by following God and God's Spirit. And we put God in charge. And what that means is, God, you're in charge. Where you go, I follow. I'm going to build my life on your firm foundation. And Paul says, listen to this. He says, one of these ways leads to destruction. 
The other leads to eternal life. He says there are two ways to live. There's two things to invest in because you get what you give. And I'm going to be honest. You know why this is so difficult? Because the majority of us, our first impression is like, I'm just going to do me. Anyone been there? It's like, I'm just going to do me. And the reason I think this is so hard to follow God, to follow the Spirit, and, and I talked about this last week a little bit, is because what I have found is that the Holy Spirit will often lead me in the opposite direction of where I want to go. It will lead me to do the opposite things of what I actually want to do. Anyone been there? It's like when you follow God, it's going to be the opposite. And that's hard because we have our own comfort zones. We have what we want to do. It's like this. One thing I've really felt the Spirit, I'm trying to lead in my life. God, what, what are you saying to me? When I get my hair cut, you guys are like, haircut? <laughs> not my style. It's not like God is at a two or three on the sides. It's not like that. <laughs> One thing, my, this is my, from those who, who don't know me, I kind of shared a little bit. I'm not like a really outgoing person, just on stage because I'm in the Spirit right now. But like in real life, like I'm not a talker. And uh, so like my ideal haircut is like I get there, I sit down, I'm like 1.5 on the sides, trim it on top, and then we're silent. That's like ideal, like don't talk to me after, like we're good. But one thing like I've really felt the spirit in my heart say to me in my last like three, four haircuts is like you need to talk to your barber. Like you need to talk to this person. And I, I know it seems funny, but for me, that's actually the opposite thing of what I want to do. But it's like, God, why are you leading me that way? It's like, God, you want me to invite my barber to church? Is that what you want? It's like, no. But yes. <laughs> but, but it's just like, listen, I felt the Spirit speak this week. And he's like, man, guess what? He's like, if you go there and you don't say a word, that's fine. But what if one day he finds out who you are? He finds out that you're a Christian. He finds out that you're a pastor. He's like, that dude's a Christian? He didn't say a word to me. He was the most stuck up person I've ever. But this is why the Spirit leads us. Because we never know. And so what happens, a lot of times our natural inclination will be opposite of what the Spirit wants. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. We can follow ourselves. I'm going to just do me. But that is the quickest way to become a one-hit wonder. Because what God has and what God is going to lead us to is so much more long-lasting. It's, it's, it's simply put, like, what is flesh? Flesh is emotions. How many of us follow our emotions? We live in this world, and I did this whole series in February. Go listen to it. But our feelings lie to us. Our heart lies to us. The worst advice you will ever get is follow your heart. Come on, y'all. It's Bachelor in Paradise season. Follow your heart. It's the worst advice you can ever get and ever have because our hearts lie to us all the time. Our emotions lie to us. How many of you guys ever got super heated? You made a phone call and you're like, man, I really regret talking to that person. That was a mistake. That's, that's our emotions leading. You see, the Spirit will often lead us in the opposite direction of where our emotions lead us. And our emotions lie to us. The older I get, I'm not that old, but the older that I get, the more I realize, man, me, myself, my flesh, it is a liar. My emotions are lying to me because more often than not, my days go like this. My flesh says, sleep in. My flesh says, don't read my Bible. My flesh says I'm too tired. My flesh says I can't pray. My flesh says I'm too weak. My flesh says I will never have victory. That's a lie. But what happens when we live with ourselves and say, I'm going to lead my life. I'm going to be in the driver's seat. We're going to reap destruction. And so listen, friends, for those of us, maybe you're in a spot right now and you're like, I don't know if my life is where I want it to be. Here's the question I want to ask yourself. Who's in the driver's seat of your life? Who's in charge? 
Maybe the reason that your life isn't where you want it to be is because you put yourself in charge far too often. But what I want to do this morning, wherever we are in our walks, is I want to begin to say, hey, I want the Spirit to lead my life. God, I want you to lead my life. Because get this, Galatians 2.20 says that those who are in Christ are a new creation. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen to this. That's Galatians 2.20. Memorize it. I had to teach you to camp one year. That's why I know it. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What this means is when we let the Spirit lead, you actually have the power of God within you. I don't think you guys heard that. You can have the power of God within you, flowing through you. And it's like, man, like, I want to do me. I want, that's fine. But I'm going to take the power of God and the Spirit of God every single day. Because my Bible tells me that God wants to do more than I could ever dream, more than I could ever imagine, more than I could ever think. i got to slow down. i still got to have a sermon to go. But that's what God wants in our lives. And that's what he wants in each and every single one. So we have two options. We follow ourselves or we follow the Spirit. You see, so many of us, and listen, understand this. Yourself, it doesn't lead to destruction right away. Sometimes following yourself can be like 20, 30 years until you really see what's up. But what happens is that so many of us, because God wants what is eternal, so many of us will settle for what is temporary instead of chasing after that which is eternal. And what God offers is eternal. And that's where we want to go this morning. And so Paul says this. Again, the point is you get what you give. You get what you give. He says this, Let us then not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You see, this is where a lot of us get stuck. And maybe you guys have been here before. It's like anyone ever feel like I've tried to put God first? It didn't really work out. Anyone been there? It's like I tried to read my Bible on Tuesday. Guess what? Wednesday was hell. And so it's like, yeah, pastor, the spirit sounds great, but it's not really translated in my life. Paul's like, Shh, way ahead of you. I'm way ahead of you. He says, do not become weary. The reason he says weary is because the, 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 the thing that God has for us, that which is eternal, it doesn't always show up right away. You're not going to see it the next day every single time. And so he says, the reason you can't grow weary is because so many of us on our journey, because we don't see something right away, we give up. Because we don't see life change right here, right now, we give up. There's a reason, there's a reason that Paul uses the metaphor of a seed. He says, a man reaps what he sows because a seed does not just sprout overnight. It takes time. And so I want us to understand this. When you let God into your life, it's going to take time. There's still things in me that God's working out. But I thank God I'm not who I used to be. But I still know I got more to go. And that's what he says, do not grow weary. The reason we grow weary is because we live in a culture and a society, and I spoke at the start, where we can get everything right now. I was on St. Albert Trail a few weeks ago and I saw them doing renovations and I saw them planting full trees. Full trees, just right there. And that's our society, right? We don't need seeds. Let's plant a full tree. And so some of us, we, what happens, and, and here's the point that I want to make. Before anything can grow, there always has to be a process. Process always precedes the payoff. Process comes before payoff. Process comes before the prize, whatever helps you understand it, whatever puts it into your brain. There's always a process. And so what happens for so many of us is that we begin to despise process. 
We want victory today. We want success today. I need my job tomorrow if I'm praying today. I need to hear that answer right here, right now. But there's always a process that comes before the payoff. There's a process that comes before the prize. But what happens because we live in this world where we can't see process, we just want prize. We just want the payoff. It's, it's like this. When I come up here and speak, it's, it is a process, process that goes into it. It's not just me coming up here and just spitting out what happens in my head. There's, there's a process before, and even so, this message right here that I'm preaching to you guys, I actually wrote it two years ago. I wrote it two years ago, and this week I felt like God led me to Galatians, and so I went back and looked at the message that I preached two years ago. And when I went to read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this sermon sucks. <laughs> I was like, there's no depth here. This is all just Instagram. Like, I can do better than this. But listen, it's, it's a process. You see, I completely rewrote the message. I had to. But the bones were still there. But the reason I'm telling you guys this is that a lot of times, and in, here's my life in the, in the meantime, in the last two years, every single day, as best as I can, I try to wake up and I try to read my Bible. I try to pray. I try to read books. But every single morning, pretty much without fail, there is something inside me that says, nah. I don't feel like it today. I'm too tired today. I don't need to today. But what happens though in those moments, because when I'm reading my Bible, guess what? I don't always see what the end result's gonna be. When I'm reading a book, it's not like I always see it. But in that moment when I went back and looked two years ago at the message that I wrote and what I wrote today, I was like, you know what? That's not very good. But you know why it's not very good? It's because in the last two years, I've been growing. It's because in the last two years, I've been planting things I've been in a process, so now in this moment when I'm, when I'm up here, I can reap it. And so what I do every single day, those little things, and you can write this one down, process isn't always sexy. You're not always going to see process. We want to be public, but there's no public without process. And so I can't come up here and speak unless I've first spoken it to myself. But you don't always see it. Now listen to this. Some of us are saying, well, I'm never going to preach a sermon in my life. Well, never say never, first off. But here's the thing. Every single day, I believe this to be true. You wake up for the next 12 hours, 18 hours, however long you're up, your life can actually be a sermon. I said your life can be a sermon. You see, for so many of us, what happens, and I think maybe it's like this, because when I read the New Testament, I see Christians, I see people that follow Jesus, and we see their lives and every single person really in their vicinity, unless they're trying to kill them, they want to be with them. It's like, man, I want to be with those people. And I, I think the reason is because those people were so dedicated, so they were able to reap. But for so many of us, we have this thought where it's like, well, I'm not really like, I'm not a pastor. I don't have anything of importance. Like, why do I need to sow into myself? Well, maybe, friends, that, that's the, there's a reason why there's a generation of Christians that aren't actually harvesting anything, because we're not planting anything. And so what I want to encourage every single one of us, we're living a life of longevity, harvest, reap into yourself every single morning, sow into yourself every single morning, I should say, because then what you sow in at 9 o'clock, I promise you this, God will again be able to deposit that at 3 p.m. when there's that person in your life that needs advice. You ever try to give advice when you're in a bad place? You know what you give? Bad advice. Yeah. You ever try to speak life into someone when you're dead? It, you see, so many of us, we think nothing's going to happen. 
Well, what's going to happen? Here's what happens. If we never deposit into ourselves, when it's time to take something else out of ourselves, you know what's going to come up? Insufficient funds. Where my college students said. Y'all ever been in your bank account and it's like insufficient funds? What that means is you've never invested anything into it. And because you've never invested anything in, we can't take anything out. And listen, every single, I promise you this, there's an interaction on Monday waiting for you. And maybe you're not going to be ready for it. But my hope and my prayer is after this morning, you're going to begin to sow into yourself. We sow so we can reap. And here's the beauty of what reaping looks like, friends. Look at Galatians. I'll put the verse up again. And verse 8, he says, we will reap eternal life. Eter the prize is eternal. In other words, I put it like this. The prize is so great, we can't afford not to have it. I, I love Ephesians. I've, I've been quoting it like four times today. But God wants to do more in our lives than we could ever dream ever think, ever can even imagine. That's what God wants. God, he's the God of more, and I believe that to be true. But he's also the God that says, hey, you're not going to reap what you've never sowed. You're not going to take out, take out what you never put in. And this goes in so many ways. Listen, friends, the Bible says faith, like what faith can do in our lives. Faith can move mountains. Faith can change lives. One of, I think, the saddest verses in the entire Bible, Jesus says this, is Matthew 13. He goes to his hometown and says this. He says, I, he could not, Jesus, he could not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. This should, this should make someone say, wow. I'll read it again. It says, Jesus could not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. In other words, he was going somewhere, he went to a place, and they had never deposited anything into themselves. And so when Jesus came there, when it was time to reap, there was nothing that had been sown. Because of their lack, he couldn't do what he wanted. Listen to this, church. God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. And God's plan is for you to be more than a one-hit wonder. It's, it's longevity. It's, it's to do amazing things. But if we've never deposited anything in, when the time comes to reap, it'll be empty. This is what happened when Jesus came to Nazareth. But listen, the Bible tells us when Jesus left, he said he left the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when, 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 he, when, he, when he came to us, Jesus said, man, this Holy Spirit is better. I got to go because someone better is coming. And the Spirit's going to be in your life. And the Spirit's going to allow you to do miraculous things, wonders, signs, gifts, faith. That's why Paul says live in the Spirit. But if we never put anything in, what can we take out? Eternal reward. Eternal reward because nothing was deposited. And so again, I want us to see this as we close, as we close. Galatians 6, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. Rest of the band, you can sit for a second. I got some more stuff to say. I just want this guy up here. How good looking is this Mateos guy? The rest of the band is great looking too, don't worry. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, this is the verse you read, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But here's the part I want us to see, verse 10. He says, therefore, if we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Why do I want us to see this? Here's the beauty of what happens when we harvest, when we begin to love process. 
as believers, when we sow into ourselves, Paul is saying this, you sow into yourself for a reason. You sow into yourself, not just for yourself, but for others as well. And so you're here this morning, that's fantastic. We're so glad you could be here, we love you. What you're doing, you're sowing into yourself. But the reason that God wants us to sow into ourselves is not just for ourselves. Listen, the payoff in my life for the most part is never really for me, it's for other people. And that's what God wants to do. And the beauty of it all, because I want to encourage us as we close, because maybe some of us are sitting here saying to ourselves, man, like, I don't know if I've sown into myself. I don't know if there's a hope for me. I don't know if there's a future for me, but here's the beauty of being surrounded by believers, being surrounded by other people in the faith. Paul says you can actually build your life on their faith. What do I mean by that? He says in every opportunity, do good build up other believers. It's like this. I'll describe it like this. I was listening to a sermon a few weeks back and I was listening to a sermon because I preach a lot and so I still need to be sowed into as well. And, and in this sermon, it was a few months back and um, for those who don't know, my wife is pregnant. You guys may have saw her up here. She's got twins. Come on. Yeah. But I was listening to this sermon and this pastor was telling this story and he was telling a story about one of his children that was um, when his wife was pregnant and he said, we went to the hospital for an ultrasound and during the ultrasound, um, the image came up and the doctors came all together and they said, hey, your daughter um, has holes all throughout her brain. And so they went on to tell him exactly what that meant for her and the life that she was gonna live. Or I guess you could say the lack of life that she would have. And the pastor went on to tell the story to the church that he was preaching and he said, I don't usually do this. He's like, but I just felt that I needed to do it. And he said, so as soon as we left that place, he said, for the next however many days, he said, every single day, he said, I put my hand on my wife's stomach and I began to pray. And I began to pray over my baby. I began to prophesy over my baby. I began to declare that God has plans for her still, that she's gonna have a hope, that she's gonna have a future. And every single day he prayed and he prayed and he prayed in faith. And then in the sermon, he told the story to the church. And he said, we went back for the next ultrasound and they said, there is no holes in her brain. We can't even explain it. Why am I telling this story? Flash forward back about four weeks, Christy and I, she's pregnant with twins, like I said. We were at an ultrasound, and during this ultrasound, um, the doctor said to us that uh, one of the babies wasn't getting the proper blood flow from the placenta. And uh, they just kind of went on to describe, basically, if that kept on going, what it would look like. And just the, the life that could happen and the danger, not just to one twin, but to both twins. And, it's crazy because there's a time when you're like, I can't imagine twins, but then there's a time like, I can't imagine my life without them. But in that moment, when we left that place, the first thing that I began to think about was the faith of that pastor that I listened to. And so the very first thing that we did when we got in the car, we prayed together. And every single day that week, as we were praying together, I put my hand on Christy's stomach and I began to pray. And we began to declare the plans that God has for both of them, not just one, both of them. And we prayed and we prayed every single day in faith. And listen to this, I'm not a person that's a person of great faith. It's something that I'm working on. But I had faith because that person had faith. And so I was able to borrow from their faith and I put my hand on my wife and we began to pray over this kid. And we went back to our ultrasound a week later because I needed to see us again. And the doctor came in, he didn't say a word. He just said, everything's good. He says, you don't gotta come back. Now listen to this church, why am I telling this story? That pastor deposited something in me and because of what he sowed, I was able to sow something. 
And so I'm telling you this story because I need someone to know right now. You're saying to yourself, man, I don't know if I have that faith right now. I don't know if I haven't put anything in. Guess what? The beauty of being in community, the beauty of why we love church, the beauty of why we say, hey, bring someone here next week is because we can actually build into each other. And my faith can become your faith because his faith became my faith. And Paul says in every circumstance, do not stop. Hebrews chapter 13 says, never stop doing good for believers. That's, that's our job. How do we live a life? This is the question, church. We're gonna close now for all so everyone could stand up. How do we live a life of longevity? The answer is so simple. We just live our lives in faith and we live our lives with Jesus at the center. And I just want you guys to understand you get what you give and there's a process that comes with it. But the beauty of it all is that when we live in faith with other believers, we can actually count on each other. We can actually live from their faith. We can be encouraged by their faith. Come on, somebody. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed. We really want to connect with you. So if you have any questions, head over to our website at kingdomchurch.ca. We'll see you later.